Lord God, thank you so much again for this time to pray. We ask you bless your word, God. We ask that you would you would uh, just fill our hearts with your spirit now. Give us understanding and give us ears to hear what the spirit is saying to us tonight. So we give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. I read about this father who gave his boy $2 and said, you could do anything you want with one of the dollars, but the other dollar belongs to God. So he wanted a, it was a lesson, you know, to teach the boy. Well, with dollars in hand, he ran excitedly around the corner to the grocery store. But on the way, he stumbled, and one of the dollar bills fell out of his hand. The wind took it, and it blew into the storm drain. As he watched the dollar fly away and disappear, he got up and said, Oh, well, there goes your dollar, Lord. <laughs> well, isn't that the way we can be sometimes? We, we keep what's valuable and give only the extra. Well, tonight we're going to take a break from uh, the book of Philippians. But as we come into this special Wednesday night for Easter week, we're going to go to the story of how uh, Mary, Mary did not hold to what was most valuable and precious to her. But instead, as a show of love, she broke open her alabaster flask and then poured it out on Jesus and took the valuable contents, came out upon Jesus, and that anointed him. So I titled our message tonight, The Alabaster Sacrifice. The Alabaster Sacrifice. Now, our outline tonight is this. Um, well, first of all, we're going to be studying Mark chapter 14 from verse 3 through 9 tonight. Uh, just those verses, 3 to 9 and 14. And our outline tonight is this, the adoration, the attack, and then the anointing. So let's begin here in Mark chapter 14, number one, the adoration, the adoration. Now, uh, we're going to be covering verse three here uh, just in this section. So let's take a look and see what verse three says here. Take a look. It says uh, Mark chapter 14, verse three. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon, the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. Now we'll stop right there. We begin with Jesus. Now he's in this small town of Bethany. It's on the east side of the, of the Mount of Olives, which is actually two miles um, east, uh, like east of Jerusalem, over the hill. Now if if uh, Bethany was here and the Mount Mount oops, Mount of Olives is here. And then two miles down here is the Jerusalem Mount. So here's Jesus here in this little town of Bethany. Now, Jesus is having dinner, and we read here in verse 3 that he is in the house of Simon the leper. So obviously, he's not a leper still, or else they would not be in this house. But he must have been actually healed of leprosy. So he's known as, hey, Simon the leper, he used to be a, a leper there. So he's at Simon the leper's house here, and they're having dinner here. Now, in the parallel passage in John chapter 12, it also tells us that Lazarus was there, who had, who had been already raised from the dead. His sister Mary is there, and his other sister Martha is there also. 
So we believe, you know, that this, the, all the disciples are there, there also to the 12 disciples there. So you can imagine about 17 people in Simon's house and they're having dinner there. And uh, John 12 also tells us that the timing of this dinner is 12 days before Passover, which means it was, I mean, six days, six days before Passover. And it means that that's about six, it's six days before Jesus is to be crucified on the cross. Many believe then this is the night before Palm Sunday, where Jesus came into Jerusalem and where people put their clothes down and on as a road and put palm branches down, thus being Palm Sunday, as he made his way into Jerusalem for the last time. So Jesus is having this nice dinner with his friends before going to Jerusalem to die. So it's a full house. Everyone is there. And I could just imagine a conversation going on. I mean, you have Simon, the leper, who is healed. You have Lazarus, who had recently had been raised from the dead. And just imagine with me, and this is speculating, perhaps Simon, the leper, you know, starts to share, you know, they're eating dinner after dinner. They're like talking story. And he just starts saying, hey, it's not fun. Being a leper, I couldn't be with my family. I lost my job. I couldn't go to the temple and worship. I got all these sores and scabs, and they smelled really bad. But Jesus healed me, and look, I'm whole. I'm here. And perhaps he's lifting up, you know, his hands and fingers because you could lose digits, you know, and all that. Look, I'm all healed. But then can you imagine maybe Lazarus then piping in, and he says, yes, Simon, that's great, but hey, I was dead and rotting in the tomb. I was four days in the tomb, and I smelled even worse than you did. But Jesus brought me back from the dead. And look, I'm alive. I'm here. So you can imagine the conversation maybe going on there at that dinner table. And I don't know why I was thinking about maybe they're talking about smells. (laughs) Well, as they're talking story here, Jesus is reclining. We see reading here. Now, reclining at the table means... In the Middle East at that time when they eat, they ate at this low table, kind of like Japanese, old traditional Japanese style. And they would like lie on their side on one arm and then they would grab food with their other hand on the other arm and eat. And so they'd be lying on their side. Well, that's why they're reclining. He's not on the table reclining, but he's at the table on its side and they would all recline around the table and eat in that fashion. Well, while he was doing that, it says here that a woman came. Now, who is this woman? Uh, There's parallel uh, passages in uh, uh, the Gospels. We have it in Matthew here, Mark, and John. So John gives us more detail of this. And as I mentioned already in John chapter 12, this woman is actually Mary. Mary is the woman who came to Jesus. And she came in with this alabaster flask, uh, alabaster a jar. Alabaster was this marble type of stone found in Alabastron, Egypt. That's the name, Alabaster. Uh, It was very special, very expensive, especially made like jar here. And it was full of, we read here in verse 3, is full of ointment of pure nard, or in the other gospel, it calls it spike nard. You might have uh, read that in the other gospels. Uh, Nard is this 
oily kind of pure nard perfume and it's used for special occasions it's it's used for like anointing of kings or or even uh for the body getting a body for burial it came from the root of the plant found in the mountains of northern india so it's a real special uh perfume oily kind of perfume and they say it was specially brought in on the backs of camels into israel and so you can imagine here, why it says very costly in verse 3. It was very precious, very costly. Later in verse 5, we're going to see that um, it was worth uh, far more than 300 denarii in verse 5, which is a year's wage. And I looked up, you know, in 2020, the average year's wage is about $54,000. Unbelievable. <laughs> but um, think about that. So 300 denarii was, was a, a year's wage back then. But if you were to uh, fast forward to our time, this jar, maybe it was just a little jar of, of nard, pure nard, was worth probably, say, like $45,000, $50,000. So it was very uh, precious. It was treasured. It was costly. It cost a lot. And many times families would invest and buy one of those as like an investment. It'd be something that they would pass down the family through generations. It was an heirloom, but it was something worth something, you know. And and it was so potent that 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 just one drop would 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 all uh, would all that's all you would use when you needed it for some say like anointing a body for burial or anointing a king. It was just a drop or maybe a few drops because it was so potent. And so expensive. Well, we see here, though, in verse 3 in Mark 14, that she opened it up and she broke it, broke the flask. In other words, she broke this wax seal that was on top of the flask, broke it open, so to speak, and poured it over Jesus's head. So when she poured it over his head, it wasn't just a drop, but she ended up really dumping the whole thing. Matter of fact, in John 12, it speaks about how she also poured it on his feet, and she even took her hair and wiped uh, the oil uh, with her hair, probably spreading it around. Take note now, this is not the same, the alabaster flask that was broken um, over Jesus back in Luke chapter 7 when the prostitute did that. This is a completely different story. That was a, uh, that in Luke 7 was a, a, a different incident. But here, this is the same thing that in that it was an act of worship here. Uh, um, she was worshiping the prostitute back in Luke 7, but also his repentance. But here it was more of an act of worship. So here with with Mary to break the seal, pour over this expensive oil on to Jesus was an act of humble worship, an act of humble love, and even taking her hair and wiping the perfume all over him was like something that a servant would do. So this is Mary's alabaster sacrifice. Uh, when Mary poured out this precious oil, she poured out the most precious thing that she had in sacrifice you can say that she spent her all on the lord jesus and so this is a show of worship a show of her deep love for jesus this is the adoration of mary towards jesus thus our heading william barclay wrote this and i i love what he said here 
about this. He said, love is not love if it nicely calculates the cost. It gives its all and is and its only regret is that it has not still more to give. Isn't that good? I mean, Mary gave her all and if she had more, she would give that also. That's the idea here. So what we see Mary doing here in this first verse is that Mary expressed how much she loved Jesus when she poured out what was most precious to her. So Mary expressed how much she loved Jesus. She gave her all. She gave everything she had when she poured out what was most precious to her. You know, what I think about is David. I remember remember when David, when he bought the, the land the, the, uh, where the temple was built, when he purchased that, uh, the guy wanted to give it to him, but he said, no, no, I'm going to buy it. Because he said in Second Samuel 24, 24, in the second part, that which costs um, mean nothing like I'm 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 not gonna uh, uh, give the Lord something that costs that which costs me nothing. I want to give Him something worth something to me, and that's Mary. Mary's doing that. Mary expressed how much she loved Jesus when she poured out what was most precious to her. That was the measure of her love, and it's it wasn't determined so much how much it cost, but by how much it cost you and that's the meaning of sacrifice and that's the real price of love and that is what an alabaster sacrifice is what is the most precious thing in your life i mean it, it, it is it maybe something in your garage <laughs> maybe it's your career maybe it's a relationship with someone maybe it's your bank account maybe it's the the jewelry you have uh perhaps it's it it Maybe it's those things that have kept you from God and your life with God. Well, well, are you willing to give that up, to put it aside, to put God first in your life and to follow him and surrender your life to him? That's, that's the idea here. That's this alabaster sacrifice. This is what Mary did. She gave everything. She gave what was most precious to her, what would cost her the most in a show of love, in a show of surrender, in a show that, God, I love you. I'm giving you my whole life. That's what we got to do, you know. As we are in this Easter week and as we are reflecting upon everything Jesus did, this is the time to do that. This is the time to give your alabaster sacrifice, and that is your own heart, your life, putting God first in your life. Well, let's go on here. This is what the alabaster sacrifice is. And let's go on to number two, though, in our outline, the attack. We're going to see this attack. We've seen the adoration, now the attack. Now we're going to cover in this section verses 4 through 9 for those of you who are taking notes. But first of all, let's take a look at verse 4 and 5. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than... 300 denarii and given to the poor and they scolded her so we'll stop right there so we see that uh not everyone at the table saw what was really going on here it says here that some severely basically criticized mary they scolded her basically saying what a waste to do that to pour this super expensive oil you know onto jesus and as I mentioned earlier in verse 5, this could have been sold for 300 denarii, right? A year's wage, and all the money could have gone to help the poor. 
Well, that was actually a pretty logical thing to think because this was Passover, and usually during Passover, you you would it was custom to give to the poor and help the poor during this time. So some of the disciples see this act of worship as not an act of worship, but just a big waste of resources. You know, the interesting thing is that it was actually Judas who grumbled. And I think some of the other disciples joined in because we see in John chapter 12, verse six, it says he said that's Judas, not because he cared about the poor. And and earlier, John mentions this is what he what he had said that, hey, we could have sold this. Right. What a waste. But he said this, John writes, because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. So Judas, in reality, he instigated this rebuke or this criticism. And it really was because he wanted the money to be cashed in or the flask, the the alabaster flask and the nard to be cashed in for money so because he was dipping into the till and putting it in his own pocket so sadly he wasn't really concerned for the poor he was more concerned of filling his lining his own pockets well then look at verse six and seven now verse six and seven but jesus said leave her alone why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. So Jesus defends Mary. And, and I love that. You know, you know, I love that because he knew and he could see the beautiful heart of Mary, right? He received it as worship from Mary. He received it as a sacrifice, this alabaster sacrifice for him. But what he could also see is Judas's dark heart. We have Mary's beautiful heart, but Judas had a dark heart, and he could see that, as John had made a comment who they found out later. And so that's why Jesus said, she has done a beautiful thing to me. Mary's heart was a a beautiful gift that was given to Jesus. It was all for Jesus. Every All the contents of Nard inside that flask was a gift to Jesus. Jesus' heart was, I mean, Judas's heart was really a gift for himself. That's what he wanted. But Mary's heart was to give a gift to Jesus. So, see, I like this because I, I what I see is when we give uh, Jesus a gift from our heart, you know what? It blesses Jesus. It's a beautiful thing to him when we give an alabaster sacrifice like that. It's true worship to him, and he feels blessed. He he sees this as that kind of alabaster sacrifice, a beautiful gift. Now, Jesus makes this comment, though, interesting enough, in verse 7. He says, you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them. In other words, there will always be this opportunity to care for the poor. There is always this opportunity to help the poor during Passover time and other times. But he says here, right, you will not always have me. In other words, Jesus will not always be around. Why? Remember I mentioned in six days, right? He's going to be on the cross, basically. He's heading toward Jerusalem, just over the hill. He's going to go in, triumphant entry, and then all the Passion Week events, you know, like going into the temple and, you know, overturning tables and all those events and things, cursing the fig tree and all that, the, the, um, the prophecies of the end times, all that's going to happen during that whole week, the Last Supper, all of that is coming up. 
up. So he's like, you know, you're going to have the poor. You'll have that opportunity always. But, you know, right now, today is the opportunity really to honor me. That's what he's saying, to honor me and not talk about wasting money. You're actually wasting the opportunity to honor me right now. So Jesus is saying, stop the attack. That's our heading. Uh, for what Mary is doing, doing is what you guys should be doing right now. That's what he's really honoring Mary and what she did. Ed, Edwin A. Blum said in his commentary, whereas Mary gave openly and sacrificially, Judas wanted to hoard money for himself secretly and selfishly. So we see a contrast in two hearts here. And that brings me to this point in this section is this. In response to Mary's selfless giving, Judas put out a smokescreen to his selfish taking. In response to Mary's selfless giving, Judas put out a smokescreen to his selfish taking. You know, before this whole stay-at-home order that we're in, uh, I had to run down to Verizon and take care of some things. And um, I went to the Verizon there across from Target. And there's just some things I couldn't do, you know, calling in. And I tried looking online. It was just really confusing. But it's interesting. As soon as I walked in, uh, as soon as I opened the door, the sales associate, like, walk, walked up to us my wife was with me and seemingly really friendly oh hi can i help you and i could see two other people behind her and i was like whoa and no one else was in the store too and i was like whoa and i just you know had this kind of feeling you know when you come in and there's a lot of these salespeople around right well i told her well i had some questions about changing my plan but because it was confusing online she goes oh wait wait she directed me and brought me to another associate who was at this little desk and and um now my guard was a little up because you see all no one else is in the store all these like sales associates all around and like oh no okay here we go you know and and I and I've had that feeling too, you know, like at other Verizon stores, and but even you know, I felt like I was at a used car lot, you know, where the sharks are all, you know, circling around, they're ready to attack you and stuff. But the person actually at the counter was very helpful, answered my question, seemed to really care, you know. Um, I was, it seemed like maybe some teeth showed, maybe not, maybe it was me, <laughs> but, but, but she helped me out, you know, wonderfully and everything and, and I left. But you know what I mean though, right? What I'm talking about, how sometimes salespeople, they come in, they act like they care. They act like they're really friendly. They act like, oh yeah, they, they have, you know, good in mind, but really they have this self agenda, right? What's that? Commission, right? Money, right? And well, that's Judas here, you know? He talked like he cared about the poor, but really he cared about his own pockets. Mary did a beautiful thing for God, but in response, right, to Mary's selfless giving, Judas put out this smoke screen like, oh, it's for the poor. Oh, I can't believe it. Because he was more into his selfish taking. You know what? Don't let anyone devalue and attack you uh, in your sacrifice you make with the Lord. I want you to just understand that first, first of all, you know, put, put that in your heart that no matter what someone says, if you really honestly are giving your worship to the Lord, no matter what others may say, you know, no matter what your priority is, you know, for serving in the church or worshiping the Lord, you don't know you live for God, not them. 
You know, you give your sacrifice no matter. You are not to please people, but you bring your alabaster sacrifice and please God. But another thing we do see with Judas here, right? In this time now of this virus crisis where we want to do our best to help each other, you know, watch your motive. Watch your motive. Is it generally for others or is it for yourself? I mean, do you serve because, you know what, some people serve because it makes them feel good about themselves or is it a real act of worship toward the lord some people they like serve because they like people see them in a good light like oh look at me oh you're a very benevolent guy you know oh super nice you must be really spiritual are you doing that or are you really wanting to glorify god and be a witness to show that god loves them too that's giving god glory there in that how do you know, though, if your motives are right? How can you search your heart and know if your motives are in the wrong place? Well, when you start to criticize how someone is not doing what you think they should be doing, like Judas was, well, watch out if you're doing that. You know what? Let God judge what they're doing, but you look in your own heart. Examine your own heart to see if it's beautiful or not. You take care of your own motives here. So let us search all our hearts hearts, and see if we are truly giving this alabaster sacrifice. All right, let's go to our last heading here. We'll finish up the anointing. So we see the adoration, the attack, and now the anointing. And this is our last two verses here. We're covering verse 8 and 9 in this section. But take a look at verse 8. Verse 8 says, She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. All right, Jesus now explains that what Mary has done, she's done all what she could. In other words, she's, 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 she's giving all that she could. What? To honor Jesus, basically, he's saying. In that Mary has anointed my body beforehand for burial. Now, isn't that amazing? What an amazing comment here. And it, it, it could be that without realizing it, Mary is anointing Jesus like what they do. They use the same perfume to anoint a dead body before in preparation for burial. So without realizing it, maybe Mary was doing this in her worship and honor of God. Or it could mean, and this is what I think, that Mary believed and knew that Jesus was soon to die. That Mary knew what was going to happen. And so she came with what you usually anoint a body with, but not just a few drops or so. She dumped the whole thing in honor and worship of him. See, what I see is that Mary knew that Jesus was headed to Jerusalem, that he was to die on the cross. She knew that this probably was going to be his last time of having dinner like that. Yeah, He's going to go into Jerusalem and that whole last week Passover is going to happen and he was never going to leave Jerusalem because he was going to die on the cross. Jesus had told the disciples that this was going to happen. Now, perhaps Mary really knew that. In uh, Matthew 20, 18, 19, 20, verses 18 through 19, it says, See, Jesus is saying, telling the disciples, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Jesus actually 
prophesied or predicted this uh, probably about about three times before he even went into Jerusalem and 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 before he was put upon the cross. So I believe Mary knew this. I believe she knew this. I believe she knew this was that last dinner, and so she came with the anointing. Our heading here with this uh, alabaster flask, alabaster sacrifice for his burial. You know, when her brother Lazar died, there's no indication that she broke the wax seal and put a few drops or so on his body. I believe she knew more than anyone what was coming up for Jesus. And, and how's that? How do you think Mary knew that? You know why? Because whenever we see Mary's name mentioned in the Bible, she's always at Jesus' feet. For example, we find in Luke 10, 38, you know, when Martha was busy about doing things, where was Mary? Mary was at Jesus' feet. In, Mar- in Luke 10, 38, it says, Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. So you find Mary listening at Jesus' feet, constantly hearing, and she probably picked up all on all of this while Jesus was teaching. So you already found Mary at Jesus' feet. You found love at his feet. We also find in John chapter 11, verse 32, when her brother had died, when Lazarus was dead, it says, then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet. So Mary always brought her burdens to Jesus. And then in John 12, verse 3, that I've been uh, referencing, John chapter 12, verse 3, in the parallel passage to what we're studying here, Mark 14, it says, then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of sparknard, anointed the feet of Jesus. So she always gave her best at her feet in what we're seeing here, even in Mark 14. So every time Mary's mentioned in scripture, she was found at the feet of Jesus. So I believe Mary knew. She listened. She took it in each time Jesus talked of what would happen in Jerusalem. So Mary came and gave her alabaster sacrifice. All right, last verse here. Then Jesus said, And truly I say to you, whenever the gospel uh, gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. So Jesus knew what Mary did would be written and memorialized. And what she, she did was so special, it ended up in the Word of God. And here we read it all the time. It's in three of the Gospels. I also see that Jesus was inferring that it's not the end for him, right? He's dying on the cross, going to rise again. That's the gospel. When the gospel goes out, what she did here in anointing him for his burial will be there. So Jesus recognizes Mary's precious gift to him. And God has here an example of how we are to show our love to Jesus. Listen to what Warren Wiersbe said. Nothing given to Jesus in love is ever wasted. Her act of worship not only brought joy to the heart of Jesus, and fragrance to the house, but also blessing to the whole world. Her devotion encourages us to love and serve Christ with our very best. And I like how he put that. You know, what she did there was a blessing to Jesus and a blessing to us as an example of how we are to love Jesus. Out of this little town of Bethany comes this huge story of the greatest thing we could do for Jesus. And Mary speaks to all of us and speaks down through the centuries to you and I today. And so our last point here tonight is Mary's expression of love with the alabaster sacrifice came at the perfect time to bless Jesus. Mary's expression 
expression of love with the alabaster sacrifice came at the perfect time to bless Jesus. You know, in a poll, the recent poll by Lifeway Research of Protestant pastors, they found at the beginning of March this year, 95% of the churches were still physically gathering. But by the end of March, it had dramatically dropped to only 7% still physically meeting. I read an article that uh, right now there's like 90 to 93 percent of churches, they're live streaming their services now. They're online, just like what we're doing, and they're putting up video content and things like that on the Internet. But with Easter approaching, a recent article said that churches are still going to hold services even if it's online. And that, that's been a struggle with a lot of churches, even with us. It's hard, you know. Easter's such a big celebration, such a big holiday. And, and you know, to have to not physically get together, it's hard. But you know what? We're still going to do it, right? And that's um, what this article said from the Alabama Ledger. Uh, the headline said, Easter's still on for local churches. The coronavirus will not be stopping churches from celebrating Easter this year. Local churches still plan on celebrating Easter, even if it is in a different way than they are used to. They will be streaming online, playing on the radio, and, and one church will even have a drive-in this year. Refer to that, right? Uh, there are different the things are different this year, but churches aren't letting that keep them down. And I like that. No, we're not going to let what's happening here and the virus and the situation keep us down. So amen. As they are, so are we. We're going to do all we can to keep meeting as a church, even if it's online. I'll tell you, I'm, I'm as busy as ever as we're switching to doing church like this, you know, live streaming. And, and as we're praying and seeking God and planning and asking God for wisdom on different ways to keep our church connected as a body during during this unprecedented time, uh, know that the, all the effort and time and sacrifice is because, you know what, we want God to be glorified. We want God to be known. And, 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 and it's for you and I so that we would have an opportunity to ex- continue to express our love to Jesus Christ, to not let this virus stop us from connecting together. You know, I was thinking about it this way. Perhaps, you know, uh, uh, maybe in the past you've had a loved one pass away and maybe you wish you could have one more moment with them, an opportunity to just let them know how much you love them and all. Well, well, in a similar way, this is what's going on. This is what Jesus was trying to say, you know. Hey, the opportunity is now to show me love. And when things are hardest, when, when, when things are hardest for us, this is the opportunity to express our love to Jesus, to continue to worship Him, to continue to seek Him with all of our heart. And like I said on Sunday, you know, when we come and worship, when we're live streaming, you know, in our homes, we're sitting in our couches and stuff, don't just sit there. Stand up if you want to start clapping your hands, you know, to the music. Don't just watch, but worship. Don't just listen, but lift your hands up and truly give your heart to the Lord as we are all come together and worshiping God. We, 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 you know, this is the opportunity to give our worship to the Lord, even in the hard times. So let's really do this and show Jesus that we love him. And I ask you, As you're here tonight, 
You know, connect up on Friday too, Friday night. Connect up on Sunday too, as we show Jesus that nothing's going to stop us. God, we're going to celebrate your your resurrection. We're going to remember your death on Good Friday. We're going to show you our love and our appreciation. We're going to come and we're going to open our alabaster flask and pour it out in worship to you. So let's do that, you guys. Let me close with this last story. As a birthday gift, a little girl received a doll that she had wanted for a long time. And from then on, uh, she and the doll were inseparable. It became her favorite quote-unquote, treasure, as she put it. One day, while sitting with her parents in church, she listened as a pastor spoke of how much Jesus loves us, how he left his beautiful home in heaven and came down to die for our sins and rise again from the dead. Then all week long, the little girl thought about how much Jesus loved her and she wished she could do something to show him that she loved him, but she only had one penny. The next Sunday, her father and mother couldn't believe it when they saw her, their little daughter take her treasured doll and put it into the offering bag. Some stared, some chuckled as they saw the doll and the offering bag go by. And um, re- but they never realized how costly this sacrifice was for her. Later in the week, the pastor dropped by the house with the doll tucked under his arm and came up to the little girl and smiled warmly and said, I brought your doll back to you. The little girl seemed transfixed at the, si- transfixed at the sight of that doll and she didn't move. Go ahead, take her, the pastor said. I'm giving her back to you. It was only the look in her eyes that betrayed how much she wanted to take that doll back in her arms. But brushing away a tear, she said, I can't. I can't take her. But why? asked the the startled pastor. Because I didn't give her to you. She had given the doll to the Lord. Well, that is like Mary in our passage today. And we should follow in the same manner this example we see in the little girl and Mary. So let you and I really come to the place where we give our Lord, our God, our Savior, Jesus, our alabaster sacrifice. Let's pray. Lord, we we thank you so much for the the opportunity tonight to uh, give you our heart in worship and surrender to you. And Lord, as we just close in this last song, God, we want to give you our time, Lord. We want to give you these last moments here and not focus on anything else but you, Jesus. God, here is our alabaster sacrifice. Here is our flask broken open for you, Lord. And we pour everything out. So hear our hearts, Lord, and help us to continue, no matter what, to give our alabaster sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus, in your name.